and it, and it, it feels, feels right and good. Um, I'm going to share these lines as we get, get going for the, the sermon. This is from the novel, The Overstory, by Richard Powers. A chorus of living wood sings. If your mind were only a slightly greener thing, we'd drown you in meaning. The pine says, listen, there's something you need to hear. If your mind were only a slightly greener thing, we'd drown you in meaning. The pine says, listen, there's something you need to hear. Creation is the first Bible. Last week I shared kind of these top 10 members in my choir of being able to hear and experience and encounter the triune voice, the living presence of God in my life, of scripture, traditions and saints, the gathered community, Holy Spirit and mystical encounters, my spirit and experience, creation and the natural world. If only your mind, you allowed it to be a greener thing or the green thing that it is, you'd be drowned in meaning. The pine says, listen, I have something you need to hear. Science and education, the poor and the oppressed, other faith traditions, strangers and scapegoats. It's like the entire universe is the field of God. Uh, longing to commune and share with us, to grow us in wisdom and in love. That the good news of the fourfold gospel would be embodied in us of right and loving relationship with God, a loving relationship with ourselves, a loving relationship with others, and loving relationship with creation. May it be so. So we continue this morning, and, and kind of the next several weeks, this will take us through June will be more of how this holy rupture then comes into practical realities and deep questions and uh, uh, divisions in our country and churches and the world, especially, you know, as it relates to LGBTQ inclusion. Like some of these are the questions that have ruptured this, per this church, as we've even tried to engage or ask questions or or hope together and wonder. And I think a lot of it is just because of you're experiencing these, these ruptures of um, boundaries that have held certain things in place that I believe Spirit of God is inviting us to expand beyond. So I wanna share again my story in this as, as we get more practical. Um, so, I, I grew up in a church where Bible quizzing was like really significant. And I don't know if uh, that was a part of any of 
of your uh, traditions, if there's any Bible quizzers, um, go ahead and give me a shout out in the chat. So I know, but this was all throughout uh, junior high and high school. Um, 10 chairs, five on each, and we competed against other churches. So this was big, and you had like a little pad underneath your rear, and that was attached to an electric board where there was a moderator, and the first person off the um, would signify your light, and you ask questions on certain books of the Bible. So if Galatians was one of the books um, we were studying, this could be a question. What is the only thing that matters? And... Um, I was either chair one or five, depending on where that was set up. But if like I was up first, um, it would be number five, Allentown. And I'd stand up and say the question, what is the only thing that matters? The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love, which is Galatians 5, 6b. Um, and the moderator would say, correct, points uh, to Allentown. Um, and you know, the, the, this question never happened, but, um, if, if the moderator would have asked me it, I would have responded this way. Is this verse true? Why or why not? And I would have said, yes, this verse is true because it's in the Bible. Like, of course it's true. It's in the Bible, so it's got to be true. Um, and I've got a little shout out to the Stephen Curtis Chapman song, Got to Be True. Um, so um, any of you in this this frame, I hope you can appreciate the G-O-T-T-O-B-E-T-R-U. Uh, if it's in the Bible, it's true. This verse is true because it's in the Bible. But is it true that the only thing that matters is faith? expressing itself in love, which is, is really been the last several years for us is kind of pushing on this. It's like to see, is that really the only thing that matters? Um, you know, whenever questions or debates in the congregation or what does it mean to be a Christian or um, can you speak in tongues or uh, we had like a host, uh, a list of things, um, questions about life, we would turn to the Bible. So, and, and the word for that was biblical, like, and being biblical was non-negotiable. So biblical was an identity marker for me. We believe the Bible was authoritative for all matters of life and practice or life and ministry. So this is the constitutional frame of the Bible. So the, the Bible provided basically the answers of the constitution for how we were supposed to practice life and ministry. All answers would be found in and based in the Bible. We wouldn't be left without, you know, a biblically based understanding of everything. Um, so I would say in, in my tradition, being biblical matters. So if the, the verse would say, the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in Bible verses. Um, faith expressing itself in love starts to get a little like squishy um, um, and a bit too subjective. So I, I'd say uh, for me, being biblical mattered. 
Um, Rachel says, the answer is always Jesus. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> yes, it is. It looks like a squirrel, but I think the answer is Jesus. I think that's how that verse goes in the Sunday school, right? Um, growing up, these were, you know, some of the major debates in my, in my congregation. So when I, when I was growing up in church in the 70s, 80s, can we include divorced people as members of the church? That was a question that was debated. Does being divorced disqualifying someone from serving in ministry? And that was mostly answered yes. So you couldn't be an elder or be a pastor if you were divorced. Um, I think some of that has changed in the congregation I grew up with, but that, that was a no when I was growing up. Um, will our church remarry a divorced person? That was, that was a real sticky one. Uh, the other is, can we include women as leaders in the church? If we conclude that the Bible forbids them from being elders and pastors, which our church did, um, can they be ushers? So that, that was the level, like, can they count money? That was, that was the level of the, the question, right? Can we hire a pastor that does not ascribe to a dispensational, premillennial, pre-tribulational un understanding of the end times? Now, this bit of, this kind of sub-bit of doctrine, if you don't know about, you're better off. But our church formed as a church split over this. Like, this became like a central pillar of our doctrinal statement. And I remember uh, when I was a sophomore in, in college, I was basically interning for the church and I, uh, I was the senior high pastor uh, interim and uh, the person that we were looking to hire uh, was not dispensational pre-millennial pre pre-tribulation. He was uh, dispensational pre-millennial mid-tribulation. So it was that last part that was different and the church had to have a congregational debate over whether or not the youth pastor could be mid-trib, premillennial, dispensational, and still be hired. Um, will we include drummers and electric guitarists in our music ministry? Are charismatic gifts of the spirit real or, dang or, or dangerous, or you know both? Um, those were too many prefixes. <laughs> yes, that's totally. Um, but th th those kind of things, those were the church debates. Now, I think it's easy to kind of judge and criticize like another group by its debates because it starts to get kind of funny when you're on the outside. But on, on the inside, these are the things that you're trying to wrestle out. And it felt felt normal at, 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 to me. Um, and it, until later on. Um, and I also like, um, there's just, these are not the only things that I took away from my congregation. Like there is, was a, is a lot of positive, um, formation that took place in me in that time that I'm, I'm still very grateful for, but I want to raise, um, these, these questions, you know? This was the posture. If and when questions or deep debates arose, I was trained to look it up in the Bible. So that was, you know, the first place you go. You go to the Bible. Can women be pastors? Well, what does the Bible say? 
look up all the verses that mention women and the Bible will, would give me the right answer. And committing to that biblical answer was how I was taught to demonstrate my obedience and faithfulness to God. I'm being biblical. Um, you know, the one thing, the one area that what did change while I was there was that um, drummers and guitar, electric guitarists were allowed in the music ministry because, you know, to people's chagrin, you could find drummers in the Bible. And, um, you know, the, the little stretch was that the biblical harp is the modern day electrical guitar and we don't want to not have future King Davids in our worship team. Um, so that, that, might, that was a little stretch, but, um, you know, being biblical on what instruments could be a part of the worship team was all a part of this um, kind of bizarre matrix um, so they were allowed drummers and electric guitarists as long as they didn't play um, too loudly <laughs> was, I think, the, the limitation. Now, this, you know, is Galatians 5, 6 true? The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. I'd say yes, because it's in the Bible when I was that age. Um, and if, if the moderator said, is Galatians 5, 7 true, I would have said yes, uh, even if I didn't know what it was. So this is Galatians 5, 7. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? So here's like some questions. Well, who cut in and what truth are, are they not obeying? So we like start teasing uh, this out a little bit. And kind of look at what Paul was talking about, which uh, is the is kind of the case study or the debate did question that we've we've looked at in the New Testament the last two weeks on on circumcision and Gentile believers. Um, how do we handle this? Jesus didn't say he left it up to disciples to bind and loose to discern. You know, what is the loving way forward? So here's the whole verse. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. And my question is like, you know, how is Paul able to make this claim? There is no Bible verse that overturned the everlasting covenant of Acts or Genesis 17. Um, so I'd, I'd say for tribal understanding circumcision mattered like for my growing up being biblical mattered um here for the early church circumcision mattered i mean it was a big debated question um so you could ask was paul being biblical like how was he able to say that this everlasting covenant didn't matter didn't have any value. I mean, that feels really sacrilegious. Or maybe a different question could be, in what way is Paul being biblical? And, and this, to me, was kind of the path in letting some of these identity structures rupture, have a holy rupture. It was like, well, okay, if I'm just convinced, Paul's in the Bible, so he must be being biblical. So in what way is he being biblical? 
And I just started seeing that he was biblical in a way that I was taught not to be, or not all the ways that Paul was biblical was how I was trained. And so this became kind of the pin that popped the, the balloon. If those challenging Paul claim that they had the biblical high ground and that he was disregarding both the Bible and tradition, how might Paul respond to this charge? You know, like I could see those who like kind of had the authority of the Bible, you know, and used it as a, as a bit of a controlling bat to keep people in line. What would Paul's response be? And I started to envision Paul responding in a similar way as Jesus did. I am not abolishing the law, but fulfilling it. I am demonstrating how to be more biblical, not less. So that, that was something that started stirring in my own imagination. The entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So what I want to do here, I just, sometimes I, it, it, this would probably be good for me to do every day, is just rehearse um, this, the biblical criterion of love being the measure of, of all things. So I just want us to, to you know, quickly quickly do that. The entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Romans 13, 9 to 10, whatever other command there may be, it is summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. So this, this passage to me really struck me for a long time. And this is where, you know, the, the phrase, if it doesn't add up to love your neighbor as yourself, um, we've got more work to do theologically. Um, that became a, a mantra of, of mine. And I just listed like, I had a lot of additions, like love your neighbor as yourself and this other thing that must matter. Um, and so slowly it just started, God really started working on my life on all the ands that I had added to the one thing. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. A new command, I give you love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. 2 John 1, 5, I am not writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. John, 1 John 4, 11, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Love one another. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, Love one another 
deeply from the heart, 1 Peter 3.8. Love each other deeply, 1 Peter 4.8. Love one another, 1 John 3.11. Love one another, 1 John 3.23. Love one another, 1 John 4.7. Love one another, 1 John 4.12. 1 John 4.16. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. So here's a couple noticings. When I was, I was noticing that claims of being biblical were often in tension with actions that were motivated by and produced love. Obedience and love seemed to be in conflict with one another, and, and that, that became a problem. Um, and this, this for me is, is kind of, I think, what Jesus was talking about is your obedience to love will produce a kind of fruit. And um, you need to ask, what is my being biblical producing? What is that producing? The, um, what if drummers and harpists weren't fought, found in the Bible? Could they lead sacred music? Like, did I need the Bible to tell me that? Um, or what does loving instruments do? <laughs> um, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So by your love, you'd be recognized and all of a sudden, love became the defining identity or the criterion, not being biblical. Or to be biblical is to be loving. Um, so I was noticing how biblical and being loving weren't always adding up uh, to each other. And I was seeing that this, this obedience to authority that was contrived in the in the in the Bible was taking precedence over that's what mattered more than is this producing love. Um, so my boys and I uh, are watching the Bad Batch on Disney uh, ch uh, Disney Channel, and um, you know. The Bad Batch is these clones that didn't have the um, obedience inhibitor in them that just kind of made them obey orders. Um, except for one of them, it was still like active and that's Crosshair. And so the Bad Batch split up in these last episodes because Crosshair is like good soldiers follow orders. And what that meant was committing atrocities. We have an order to kill these civilians, so we should do it. You follow orders. Uh, so it's awesome that the Bad Batch is one that are, are like not obeying these unloving orders. 
and um, that's that's the the whole point of Dorothy Soli's book um, Beyond Mere Obedience or Creative Disobedience is how it was reframed. Um, that obedience doesn't um, create uh, wisdom and love. This is like you've got to go beyond following directions to being to um, being a discerning, wise person. Um, my other noticing when I asked this question is what my biblical tree was producing. I was noticing that claims of being biblical limited the Bible as the only source that God could speak through. You need only master the Bible, pay attention to the Bible. You didn't need a transformed life. You just had to have the right interpretation of, of a passage. And I, I began seeing that, how that actually got fleshed out. Um, so instead of having like a choir of 10 where you learn to discern, it was limited to mastering one thing and then you could claim obedience to it as kind of a cover for a transformed life. Um, so when you see um, kind of things like um, these, I saw that system kind of was exposed as kind of this fascistic Christianity. So here's a panel of all white men talking about the dangers of social justice in evangelism. And, and um, so this all white panel of guys is going to discuss social justice, intersectionality, critical race theory, um, and how that basically goes against their understanding of race, complementarity, um, homosexuality. Um, now, why, in what setting could this be seen as not problematic? It's a setting where the Bible is your single source. So because all of these people are like seminary trained, they have the right and the authority to speak against all of these, these things. So I started like witnessing, this was the fruit that this biblical system was producing. And I saw it was producing a rotten tree. It, it was not necessarily wise people or transformed people or people who have any Theoria experience, like divine encounters, um, but simply like these constitutional lawyers of the Bible that make these pronounces authoritatively on behalf of other people that they may not even have any personal experience with. Um, so here I come back to this hearing and countering the trying voice of God through um, you can't just master number one and think you're a wise, transformed person. We're also like being able to have an ear to, you know, in the expansive church history and tradition and the variety of saints um, in the gathered community. So not be speaking on behalf of or for other people. It's very um, patronizing or paternalistic. Um, do you have any mystical encounters like real life with the Holy Spirit? Um, are you in tune with your own soul and what your own spirit is saying? Or have you denounced those things? 
as wicked and evil. The heart is deceitful above all things. So you take a, 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 a psalm and make it like <clears throat> kind of authoritative, uh, shaming denouncement on the fact that your spirit is blessed and good. A creation in a natural world, science and education, the poor and the oppressed. Um, you'd think you might want some people of color to be able to speak about your understanding about race, right? But that, that voice is not even necessary. Um, uh, I, I just saw as like a, a serious breakdown uh, on um, liberation and the transformation that actually comes in Christ. Other faith traditions, how can they actually help be a sharpening edge to maybe our own, our own lens that um, needs to be challenged? Strangers and scapegoats. And a pause. Um, Lee, I, I'm noticing my internal disgust button being triggered. And Megan, is that why I suddenly got nauseous? Um, you know, first, let me apologize for not and uh, not saying up front that. Um, these things are, are triggering and not knowing that a, a picture coming up could trigger all these things. So um, please accept my apology on, 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 that, on that front. And then I want to, you know, celebrate the fact that your spirit and kind of internal, you know, sense of this is saying there's important information there. Um, and, and, my tradition really shamed that. Um, what, I, what I love about a choir is all of these voices get to interact with one another and, and, and challenge and call forward, um, right? Um, so only making scripture your single voice develops a kind of fascistic Christianity that is detrimental. Um, only having, uh, say, science and education be your single source is limited. Um, so if you only have one voice, it works against wisdom and discernment. And so my, my call again to encourage this, this stream. Lee and Megan, thanks for uh, uh, voicing it because it, it is nauseating. It is like it, it, and it's, it's gross and it holds countless, countless people and generations hostage to the life that is truly life. Um, so I want to call that out and just, um, in some ways, I just want to say, by the grace of God, I was on a, that track. Um, and, um, why I always want to keep that in, in my memory and, and try to lay the breadcrumbs of like how that ruptured for me and why it was holy. Um, okay. So the, 
this um, next slide can also be be triggering, uh, but I I, I want to put it up because this these were these were the questions that started to rupture that biblical identity for me into one of love. And it was it was this: How would you answer this question? When is it biblical to divorce a spouse? So I. And this, my growing up, the divorce question was huge and the Bible was really used in ways that kept people in terrible relationships that should have ended. Um, it was responsible for a whole lot of abuse and dominating patriarchy, um, which was horrible. Uh, and it was used to keep... Um, good people from really fully being able to express their gifts. So when is it biblical to divorce a spouse? A, it is biblical divorce if your spouse commits a very particular kind of sin. So that was always the exception clause in Matthew. Or B, it is biblical divorce when it becomes the most loving thing you can do. So this was the question which one of the, the above best fulfills the law? Which one of the above best fulfills the law? Leah writes, one of my profs gave us a yes-no flowchart on divorce. It was ridiculous. <laughs> right. Yeah, so the application wasn't like, well, what's the most loving thing to do? It was like, because... Anything that had like a specific thing, that that must be a, a specific um, rule. Um, and you kind of lost the overall love command. Um, so kind of what's a, what's a spiritual way to move forward about relationships that actually should end? Is like sometimes it's the most loving thing you can do. Um, and... Re remarrying is, is, some, is like a beautiful, loving, um, covenanting act of fidelity that's beautiful, that, that shows like, um, it like just pictures redemptive um, history and futures on, on, on display, you know? So like also there's like can be a wisdom into all of these areas of life rather than a following of directions. Um, so that, that was a real change in me. And also there's an inner an authority, kind of like the way that Jesus operated with a kind of authority that was different than what was seen. It wasn't like this power over, but there can be authority that's like, this is the most loving thing you can do. And it opens up a freedom. And if, if someone's like, well, the Bible says, it's like, I'm sorry, but that's not the criterion um, for wisdom. Love is. And um, the, the fruit is the criterion. And the way that you're understanding biblical here is like producing a really abusive kind of ugly malformation of life. Um, so there, there becomes like a transfer from external authority of being biblical to like the internal authority that comes from 
the liberating divine life of God. So just to kind of come back to my own internal wrestling, I think these kinds of questions are especially challenging for those who, like me, grew up in faith communities where obedience to authority was paramount. Appeals to love is the law felt far too squishy, subjective, and well, it, was, it just wasn't enough. Uh, so I want to return to uh, this passage in John. I wonder if this is why Jesus coyly plays obedience and love off of each other. He includes the lovers and the law abiders in one masterful sweep. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. You are my friends if you do what I command. This is my command, love each other. So I just, I just think that is so brilliant of Jesus bringing the lovers. I don't need no rules. I just love, and the law abiders, oh, it can't be gotten contradiction of dirt. Like all together. I really appreciate that. Um, being biblical is only a reliable criterion to the degree it manifests love. This, this was kind of my shift. Even the Bible makes love not itself the criterion. Wisdom understands that it is folly to attempt to write a law governing every potential life circumstance. Jesus declares that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Notice that Jesus does not follow that with a list of more specific rules to follow. No, he gives one, the goal of wisdom, or perhaps you could also say the goal of faith, which is love. So these were questions that when I was growing up, my church wasn't wrestling with. They weren't even on the map. They weren't on the radar. But these are questions now. These are questions that churches and families and states and the federal government wrestle with. Can gay people marry? Can a transgender person participate on sex-specific sports teams? If your baby is born intersex, should you decide on a sex-assigning surgery? Like, these are questions... These are the questions now. For the early church, the, do Gentiles need to be circumcised? They weren't asking these questions. They weren't asking questions about electric guitars, but they were wrestling with the one in front of them. So here's going to be our weeks together of how do we listen to the full chorus in becoming wise, discerning, loving people? Is there a specific rule in the Bible telling you the answer to these questions? There, there isn't. You know, so much of this has been shielding by intersex realities, but uh, if you're trying to have kids or have, you know, you're, you're just as likely to have an intersex child with, um, you know, a variety of conditions as you are to have a child with red hair. Uh, 
It's that common. But a lot of this has been shielded, even in the way that the medical community would present these things to parents. They weren't really given an option. You were just, we need to do a surgery to assign or make uh, male or female before a kid's age of consent or knowing how did they feel in their own body? Um, so, like, there's a lot of unloving that has happened uh, because we've expected the Bible to produce directions to obey rather than discernment into what is the most loving way forward. So, um, what we're going to do is in what way can the Bible provide a source of wisdom into these questions? Like, how do we think theologically around these things? So why do we love? Well, God loved us first is a theological, um, you know, kind of campus around the criterion of love. Um, and then we'll have like, this as a central question. What is the only thing that matters in asking and seeking answers to these questions. What is the only thing that matters in asking and seeking answers to these questions? And uh, for me, love is the only thing that matters. And um, there's a whole bunch of ingredients that are there to create loving meals for each other. And um, that's what I want to do with you all. I'm going to share uh, one more mantra with you and uh, come back to our choir of discernment as, as we close. But this became really significant to me, and so I want to share it with you. And it's this. This is a matter of discernment not obedience. Can gay people marry? This is a matter of discernment, not a matter of obedience. So I've been taught, well, I'm just trying to be biblical here. And so here's the answer. And we just, we've got to obey. Um, so this became an important challenge to that framework. This is a matter of discernment, not obedience. If I have an intersex child and the doctor is pressuring a sex assigning surgery, this is a matter of discernment, not obedience. How does our church move forward? You know, we could say, three years ago, when it was really divided over LGBTQ questions of inclusion. This is a matter of discernment, not a simple matter of obedience. We just need to follow directions. It's a matter of discernment, not obedience. And the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself in love. So again, I want to put up 
um, like in trying to understand intersectionality, race in the U.S., the end of patriarchy. Who gets to be in the choir? It's like all of these voices that we would hear and encounter the triune voice of God through scripture, traditions and saints, gathered community, Holy Spirit and mystical encounters, my spirit and experience, creation and the natural world, science and education, the poor and the press, other faith traditions, strangers and scapegoats, so that our faith expresses itself in love. As the big move and, and goal. Um, and being able to discern and hear and listen to all these voices, like that's a lot of work. <laughs> like that's a lot of transformation. You can't just master one. It's, it's like learning like the, the full orchestra um, is a beautiful endeavor to um, the human partnership with the divine, I think. Okay, I'm gonna close, close there. I, I look forward to these next weeks together as, as um, we cook um, delicious, nourishing meals with one another, and uh, we learn how to um, discern together. I'm going to share my screen. For communion, go ahead um, if you need elements. Grab those. Um, uh, cleaning this weekend, I came across loads of old ministry stuff. Uh, Bible study fellowship leadership manuals, Kids Praise Club, a music drama ministry that we ran using a conservative curriculum that indoctrinated generations of kids in this Bible-only perspective. I read some of these lyrics now and cringe. As a teacher and leader, I hold responsibility for error and harm this may have caused, but in the other hand, some pretty enlightened, wise young people have grown out of this foundation. I am humbled and... Um, so in this uh, format, uh, posts over a certain length get cut off. Um, so thanks for, thanks for sharing and, and writing that. Um, I, I resonate with that so much of teachings that I've done in the Bible only perspective um, that... Uh, really did some harm. Um, so by the loving grace of God, may we, may we um, kind of not pass those batons on, but uh, create better Trinitarian immersed communities. Amen. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate that. Um, let's come be renewed and healed with the meal that Jesus gave us. You can repeat after me. Lord, we remember when we share this meal that we have been forgiven and made new. 
Jesus, thank you for making us new. Thank you for forgiving us. We will also forgive each other. Lord, we remember that we are united together in Christ. Jesus, thank you for welcoming and accepting us. We will also accept and welcome one another. Lord, we remember that we are vulnerable, broken, and in need. Jesus, we remember that you did not turn away, but suffered your body to be broken and your blood to be poured out for us. We will not pretend to be without need, nor will we turn away from the needs of others. Jesus, we come to you ready for a new way of living and a new kind of life. Jesus Christ, the Lord, reigns now and forevermore. Let us eat together in faith, hope, and love. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, the body of Christ broken for you, take and eat. The blood of Christ poured out for you, take and drink. May the very life of God live in you this week and give you strength, wisdom, peace that expresses itself in the abundance of love. <clears throat> 